the examples of successful men are often very different to how a woman wants to design her life. When men become wealthy, they want to pose in front of their jets and their Lamborghinis, whereas a woman's ideal is to have a business where she's doing important work that she loves, but she's got a cleaner and a cook and a gardener. They buy time. Hello and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. I'm your host, Katrina McCarter. Today's guest on the show is an award-winning serial entrepreneur who has founded, grown and sold several businesses and franchises, all who have had mothers as their key customer. Now her focus is on helping hundreds of people package up their expertise into an online course and launch it to the world. Through her program, Her Empire Builder, she's on a mission to help 100 women, the majority I will say who are mums, build a $1 million a year business by 2025. So today we are going to explore her business journey and the growth of women creating thriving micro businesses, turning over millions of dollars every year. I would like to welcome Tina Tower to the show. Hello, Tina. Hi, Katrina. Thank you so much. It's fantastic to uh, to have you on the show. It's it's a real treat. I know. I've loved your show for ages, so I'm like, yay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fantastic to have you on. Listen, I'm really keen to talk about your business journey, particularly because all your businesses that you've created have looked to appeal to mothers. So, you know, you've, cre- you've got a career around marketing to mothers. So I'm keen to kind of step things back right to uh, right to your business beginnings. And I read kind of through my research that you started your first business at age 20. Is that right? Many moons ago, yes. <laughs> oh, look, I, I'd love to hear, you know, what was it? What prompted you to launch the business? And who inspired you to go into business? Yeah. Oh, okay, we could feel like an hour just <laughs> I know, that. I know. <laughs> Um, So who inspired me? I think I always wanted a life less ordinary. Um, So that was something that that was kind of really evident to me as a at a young age kind of thing. So I left home for the first time when I was 13. So I didn't have a, a very um, ideal childhood, uh, but I did find personal development when I was about 15, 16 and read all of Anthony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and really got into a lot of a lot of personal development and knew that I would do something different but didn't quite of course at that age know what that was going to look like and I did follow a pretty traditional sort of route at the beginning where I went I finished school I went into university and I was struggling to pay my way through uni I've always been very frugal and to me like university fees they add well, you save 25% if you pay it up front. So they add 25% if you go into hex debt. And so I was determined to not do that. And so I had to pay 
rent and I had an investment property as well that was in a different city, um, like in a much cheaper area (laughs) where I lived and was determined to pay for uni. So I, I was working three jobs on the side and I was walking down the street one day and I saw on the telegraph pole, like someone advertising as a tutor for $40 an hour. And I was studying to be a primary school teacher. And at that time, my highest paid job was getting me $18 an hour. So I was like, hang on a minute, this looks good. And everything escalated quickly. (laughs) So at 20, I started a full tutoring center and educational toy store. And that was that was my first one. So I still had two more years of uni left and I finished that. So I would go to uni all day and then I'd tutor every afternoon and then work the store on the weekends. And I had staff in there all the time. And yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty full on. Incredibly entrepreneurial and amazing that you discovered personal development at 15. Like that's, it's a really incredible story, your, your beginning. I'd love to then talk about the next business. So at twenty at twenty four, you actually launched a tutoring business called Begin Bright, which you later franchised to more than thirty centres across Australia. Before you actually sold this business, which I think was two thousand and sixteen, which is just amazing. I'm really keen to tap in and find out what were some of your key business learnings during that period. Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> Um, so my my first tutoring centre, how how we started that was four years later, I had my first baby. And so I had been kind of running the business seven days a week, which is, you know, the nature of that that type of business when you've got a retail store attached to it. And when I had kids, which I know a lot of your listeners can very much relate to, what I had been doing up until that point was no longer going to work when I had had my my little bubba. And so So for the first kind of six months, it was actually much easier when he was a newborn than when he started wanting to move. (laughs) So I had, you know, a cot installed behind the counter and he would lay there and when he needed feeding, I would just feed him and and literally put on like a bubble sling and walk around the store with him attached to me all day. So it was actually quite... I think I had an easier time because of the environment. A lot of people were going, gosh, I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. But to me, the hardest days was when I was at home. (laughs) So kind of stuck there with no distraction. So I had to change the business. I, I fell pregnant with my second child when he was only eight months old. And that kind of made me go, okay, I need to readjust everything. So I started Begin Bright by licensing first. So the curriculum that I'd written for my tutoring centres, we licensed it to other teachers to teach within their own tutoring centres. And within a couple of years of that, they were asking for business advice as well, because marketing was really where I excelled. Like the curriculum was great and all of that sort of thing. But marketing is you know, it's always been my forte. And so we transferred to a franchise system when I was 27. And then we opened 35 locations across the next five years and then sold it in 2016. And I guess, oh, the learnings from that time, my gosh, (laughs) work as hard as you can while you're young, because now I look at it and I have no idea how I did what I did. Because now I'm the ripe old age of 37 and I don't even have half the energy that I had then. (laughs) Like it's just, it's not what it was in my 20s. So I'm really glad that I kind of went like full out. (laughs) Did you ever though, Tana, I mean, that's extraordinary what you did in your 20s. 
you know, having a couple of kids and a couple of businesses, very successful businesses at that. I find that just incredible. I'd love to tap into some of those sacrifices that you made, you know, to to realise that level of success, because I think I read that you lived off 200 bucks a week for a couple of years to actually get begin right off the ground. And, and I just think that it's so important for business owners who might be listening, who could be in their early days of their journey, and they're making really significant sacrifices to realise their dream. You know, is there some kind of advice that you might give to them? Yes, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> There's there's no really sugarcoating that. And I think it's really hard because a lot of people do look at my story now and, and think, wow, like that all happened. I mean, I've been in business 17 years, so it didn't really happen that quickly. No one was watching when I was struggling. Like I didn't have the audience yet. And now that I have the audience, the parts that people have followed along for are really like the good parts that that people have seen. My life now is very easy and fabulous and I've designed it really consciously and and it's it's amazing. But oh my gosh, what we had to give up to get there. I mean, one of my favorite quotes which was framed on my wall throughout that whole time was entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people won't, so that you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. Oh, that's amazing. Say it again. Isn't Do, read it? it again. Yeah. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is living a few years of your life like most people won't so that you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. And for me, that was like I lived that because never for a second did I doubt it would all be worth it. I had such a clear vision of the life I wanted to create and it was exponentially bigger than the cards I had been dealt. So you know, I was never going to get any family inheritance or any kind of leg up. Everything that I wanted, I would have to create for myself. My husband is not an ambitious guy. (laughs) So it's like, if I wanted the life that I wanted, I knew I would have to create that. But to start something from nothing requires a lot of sacrifice. It's not easy and you have to have a lot of faith in yourself. And that is really, really, really hard when, I mean, there was one day you know, like you said, we were living off $200 a week and, you know, you can barely. Family of four. It's pretty incredible. Oh, like mince was like a special thing. Yeah. Like it, was just, it was just disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, to me, I was like, you know, it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. I don't know where I got my dog and determination from, but I still remember like one of the hardest parts for me was I, I, we couldn't pay rent that week. And so I, I started like selling things on eBay and Facebook marketplace. And one day my husband came home from work and, you know, I had the two kids on the hip because at that time the kids were about three and two. So the hardest stage as well where they need you so much. And I just sold my three-year-old son's Thomas the Tank Engine train table that he loved. Aww. And other, like that was to cover rent that week. And I remember sitting there just going, oh, my, like how low will I have to go? before this turns around. Um, And no one can answer you that. And that's why I get really mad when people say things like money doesn't buy you happiness is I think either those people have had money for a really long time and they've forgotten or they've never been truly broke. And when you are truly broke and you're putting everything on the line, the amount of self-encouragement that you need to be able to have is unbelievable because 
you're the only one that can get you to do the things. And and I truly think in business, it's what you do when no one's watching that makes the biggest difference. And so many people now, you know, feel like they're doing the wrong thing or feel like it's taking a long time. But I want to reassure everyone, if you're going through the hard times, there's nobody I know that's successful that has not. Your podcast host, Katrina McCarter, has launched her second book. Called The Mother of All Opportunities, this book has been written for board directors, C-suite, senior marketers, and business owners to shine a light on the enormous opportunities for growth which exist in the mum market. Katrina demonstrates why now is the right time to rethink your relationship with the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Fast track your brand and build a competitive advantage by gaining critical research-based insights into this massive and underserved market. If you live in Australia, you can get your copy from www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash book. If you live overseas, you can get your copy from Amazon. I hear from you Tina is a really like you held a really big vision through those really tough times so you've always been really clear and committed to that really big vision yes <laughs> yes probably to my detriment a few times but do you think that that kind of carried you through Oh, for sure. For sure. Because, you know, to me, it was worth it. And even if I didn't, I still find, you know, this life that we get to lead, we are, we are on, on the planet for such a short amount of time that we get to actually live, live life. And, and I do think it is about the journey. And I was kind of, you know, like I still, even now I've got way bigger visions than the life that I'm currently leading in terms of impact wise. And I go, even if you never actually get there, you've got to enjoy the process. And weirdly, I enjoy the challenge of it. Like I like the game of business. I like seeing what I can achieve. And the, and this is where I think the distinction is, is a lot of people feel like they have to prove themselves to others. And the people, I know it was the case for me and a, and a lot of my, my friends that have been really successful in business, they're driven by not proving to others, but proving to themselves what they're capable of and just trying to see how much can you actually achieve here? What impact can you actually make and how far can you push yourself? And <laughs> It's the ultimate test. I mean, to me, entrepreneurship is the ultimate test of let's see, let's see what we're made of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That, that yeah. for me was always the attraction. I didn't go into business until I was 39. So for me, yes, I was 39 and had a corporate career and it was like, listen, it was something I always wanted to do and I just thought, you know, it's now on, you know, with mounting mortgages and things like that, it was like it's now or never. I've just got to jump in. Yes, Um, well done. And I think that is so much braver because there was, you know, for me it was kind of like, Yes, it was hard, but also we had no baseline. So Mm. we, we were always like, we were always broke. (laughs) It was only kind of up for us from there. I think it is so much harder. I talk to so many women now, so many of my clients that are corporate women. And then, you know, they're coming from these big, massive salaries and this beautiful life and then having to then go down to go up. That 
is so much harder. <laughs> it was interesting, but I had some really good grounding days. I grew up with a single mum, so I understand that that poor, you know, when you're talking 200 bucks a week and things like that. No, I, I get that. I've done that growing up in my childhood. Tina, I'd love to kind of talk about, you know, the last five years you sold Begin Bright. You, you know, I believe you took a year overseas traveling with your family and then you've come back and you have very quickly become a very sought after online business coach and you've established your own million dollar micro business and you're now focusing in on helping other women create online based businesses. I'm just really curious, how did you go from tutoring business to online business coach? You know, what was that opportunity that you saw? I tripped and fell into it. (laughs) (laughs) Is the easy way to put it. You know, in life you do things and you think that was a waste of time. I didn't do that and and I should have, like you feel like you've gone down the wrong path for a couple of years and you've got to bring it back. I feel like everything in my life that I did up until this point trained me and got me ready for the work that I do now. Like the work I do now, I feel like I was born to do and I somehow had to go through all of the other stuff to enable me to do it so well. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Listen, look, one of the things that I found in my research is that women are entering business, I think it's almost three times the rate of men. And we've seen this now going for for well over a decade. And I'm seeing that uh, women tend to establish that micro business or that small business rather than seeking out a big kind of large scale operation. And I'm, I'm generalizing there. I'm keen to ask you, why do you think that women are opting for this micro business format? And let's define what a micro business is do which you want to kick off by how do you define a micro business yeah so micro business I define as a business that has less than five employees it used to be defined by less than five employees and less than a million dollar revenue because revenue used to be tied to the number of people that worked in a company whereas now with systems and automation and software there's no limit (laughs) on that but I have so many thoughts on what you just said because the debate at the moment and one of the things that I've been not arguing with people about but a little bit (laughs) is that women aren't as ambitious as men and a lot of people because women are opening businesses so much faster than men but they're not getting to the top they're not as big and I use a platform called Kajabi for my software and it's drastically less than half of the people that get over a million dollars are women and a lot of people will say it's because women don't want it as much they're more focused on their relationships and their families and, and they're just not as ambitious which I cry so hard bullshit on that. Even when like my business now is her empire builder, so many people told me women won't resonate with the name empire because women don't want to build empires. And that has been proven very, very wrong by the popularity of my program. But what I do think is all of the examples of successful men in all industries of business, not just online business, are often very different to how a woman wants to design her life. Uh, And so I'm very, very passionate about showing that there can be different ways and different ways that women can do it because when men become wealthy, you know, you see all the business success and and they want to pose in front of their bloody jets and their Lamborghinis and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas for women, a lot of really wealthy women that I know, they buy time. Like a woman's ideal is to have a business where she's doing important work that she loves, where she's got great relationships, but she's got a cleaner and a cook and a gardener. Like she's bought time back. She's living life 
like our grandfathers used to do it, except with the kids as well, because women like moms love the kids. You want to spend time with your kids. It's not like, oh, the kids are in the way. It's like, how do we live these great lives with beautiful relationships, with friends, with family, with health, and with a business that is making a positive impact in the world? And all of that can be done, but I think there's still not enough examples. So a lot of women that I work with will get to kind of that 250, half a million a year in revenue and then think, I'm not going to go any bigger because I don't want to lose my life. I'm quite comfortable where I am now. I'm earning good money. If I push to that next level, is that going to be more responsibility for more staff and more things to go wrong? And then everyone's telling me I'm going to have to like not be as good a mom anymore and all of this sort of crap. So I think the more examples that we can have of, yes, it is possible, the better women are going to start doing and then we're going to kick some ass. Fantastic. Now, I, I know that you've built a, uh, well, you've actually just birthed a new book actually talking about this, which is Million Dollar Micro Business. Uh, first up, I know you've only just launched the book, so a massive congratulations, Tina. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about what, what this book is all about. What, what should we expect? Yeah, so it is how to package your expertise into an online program, which I think, you know, taking back to how I, I tripped and fell into the online course world, I used to work so hard for a dollar with a service-based business, especially running a franchise business. My gosh, it's it's like just pushing crap uphill in terms of you work for every cent you make. And online business is so leveraged, so scalable. And instead of trading that time for money, you're trading that money for value. And so many women have so much value packed within their minds that can be packaged into a product and help other people. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this book is go take what's in your mind already and and help others with that through online education so that it's such a beautiful win-win scenario. Well, I've been lucky enough to uh, receive a copy of the book. So it's by my bed. It's what I'm re- what I'm reading tonight. I have had a flip through already. Really practical, which absolutely speaks to me. I'm very practical myself, so I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to getting into it. Needing an energetic, dynamic speaker at your next conference or event? Katrina McCarter, your host of Marketing to Mums, the podcast, speaks around the globe on all aspects related to marketing effectively to mums. You can download her speaker kit at katrinamccarter.com or contact her directly on LinkedIn via her profile, Katrina McCarter. What I loved about when I had a had a look through the book was that you've got these great case studies of people that are doing fantastic million dollar micro businesses. And I think one of them was Tracy Harris from Mums with Hustle. And she's got an Instagram training business for other mums in business. And I wanted to ask you, what do you think that Tracy's got right in building her million dollar micro business that perhaps we could all learn from? Yeah. Well, Tracy was doing it well before I was. She's been in online business for quite a while and she's got a freaking heart of gold, that woman. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's a beautiful soul. But yeah, so she is one of the one of the women that are kind of showing that you can do it quite differently. So what I love about Tracy is she's got she leverages what she knows and builds community. So she connects really well with the ladies that she serves, but she's very big on her boundaries. So she she will openly say like I am not going to commit to something for business benefit even though there's so many opportunities around just with the hope that it's it's going to do well and at the detriment of my family like she will I offered her a lot of money when I started to privately coach me she goes no I don't do private coaching anymore like yeah yeah so we're running a women online conference in August where I'm bringing together all of the women that I know in Australia that run million dollar a year online businesses so they can share their stories with other women and for her, she said, well, I've, I can only speak at this time because I drop the kids off at school and then I have my private Pilates session. So then I can come after that. And I'm like, man, that's how you do boundaries right there. And I think we only lose that when we lose that. And, and it's really hard because at the beginning of business, you have to say yes to everything. Like you really do. You can't start like that example right there. You do have to say yes to everything, but then you've got to recognize when the business is then at a level that you no longer need to hustle anymore. You can go, okay, what got me to here won't get me to there. And to preserve my energy and keep my life and keep the joy so that I want to build this bigger, I can now make those changes so that it's sustainable long-term. Okay. That's some good wise words, uh, Tita. Hey, listen, if Tracy is doing it really well and you are obviously doing it exceptionally well, what are some of the key kind of mistakes that people need to avoid when they're setting up their digital online course? Yes. Um, it is not a situation of build it and they will come. <laughs> uh, I talk to so many people that go, online courses just don't work for me. I mean, I put it there, it's, it's sitting there as a button on my homepage, no one buys it. Yeah, of course, no one will buy it. <laughs> it's it is both the positive and the negative of online programs is those who market well win. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. I've seen women with the most beautiful programs that they've spent thousands of dollars professionally recording. The content is amazing. But if you're not willing to put yourself out like in a personal brand front and center and really own your expertise and your thought leadership, it's just not going to work. And I think that's the biggest mistake, especially for people that have run service-based business before and you're used to kind of hiding in a way behind a brand. It's really confronting to then you know, put yourself front and center, especially for Australians. I find the Americans that I work with don't feel it as much, but for the Australians, like they don't want to feel like a wanker when they're talking about what they know, even women that like know so much. And they're like, you know, I don't know if I'm expert enough for this. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I do think that the biggest mistake is actually not in the creation of the course. It's usually in the marketing. Yeah. Okay. And, and specifically you're saying in personal profile. Yeah. Okay. Okay, really, really good. Great to hear because I talk to my clients a lot about the importance of building that personal profile because it goes hand in hand with your, with your business success. It does. And like you even asked in a question earlier and said, you know, like I've been like the sought after online business coach and it's amazing how quickly you talk about it a lot and you become known for what you're talking about a lot. And a lot of people don't craft themselves what they're known for and so putting that effort into personal branding and and marketing will pay off tenfold and just talking about like always thinking about the people that you serve so flip it from worrying about yourself to worrying about the people that you serve and it's a lot easier then to build your personal brand 
Awesome. Now, Tina, I was pretty taken with your mission. I really love that you have got such a well-articulated mission that you want 100 women to create a $1 million a year business by 2025. Is there some way that you kind of mark the occasion when each client, you know, reaches reaches that million dollar milestone? Because I just imagine it must be an incredible buzz for you seeing them actually hit that. And I'm wondering how you're going, how you're going against your mission I think we're going to hit it. I th- I think we will. We the growth is amazing. There's all these women that had either not done online courses before or had done them for the last year or two, but never really made over like $10,000 a launch. They're now hitting six figure launches. So they're, they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in each of their launches. So yeah, I think we'll get to a hundred women with a million in the next four years, but it's, I mean, that is just a, like, it's just numbers. To me, it's wealthy women do good things with the world. So when women have wealth, you see so many, so many of them just give it away, whether it be to the local economy in shopping (laughs) or so much more philanthropic activities than what men generally do. And so the flow on effect, like women hire other women, flexible workplace arrangements with mums, especially mums in business. Like it's just the flow on trickle effect from it is so motivating for me. And I just love to see people get rewarded for their efforts. And so much of when I was business coaching service-based businesses, was, you know, you'd see these women that were working so hard and doing so much and sacrificing so much, but the only way to grow is to add more people, like more staff, and that is a headache within itself. And so now to to see women like actually getting hugely financially rewarded for the knowledge that they've built and their brains is just, I love it. I love it. I can hear it, absolutely hear it in your voice. Now, listen, I have to ask you, you have built a career out of businesses that, um, you know, target mothers or market to mothers. You know, you've been doing it since you were 20 years old. We've heard about these businesses. Are there three tips that you could perhaps share with our listeners, so business owners and marketers who are wanting to attract more mothers and their families to their business or brand? What would those three tips be? My number one is connection marketing all the way. When I had Begin Bright, like back to our our beginning story, I had no marketing budget. We wanted to build a franchise company and most franchises have huge marketing budgets. And I tried really hard to get investment. And the best offer I got when we had, we were up to about three locations. We got offered 200,000 for 50% of the company. Um, And that was really tempting because I, you know, I was selling Thomas tables. So (laughs) it was, it was tempting. Um, But I said no, because I I had faith that it would, would be a lot bigger than that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I have a point back to your question with this story is, is going, I didn't have the money to place big ads. And so I had to learn how to market on a budget and how we got such a big result and managed to build that business as big as what we did was through effortful content marketing that connected directly with our customers. So I never wanted, even what I do now, I am like Kajabi, the platform that I use tells me I am one of the most unfamous millionaires that they have. And that is because I don't pay for Facebook advertising. So I don't do paid advertising. I only care about the people that want to do business with me. So I am very purposeful with my marketing in terms of thinking exactly what she wants and giving her something of value. And that's it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I'd I'd also add um, collaborating. I um, I certainly found collaborating with other like-minded businesses that shared kind of similar business ethics uh, was a great way to go. So in my first business, I I didn't have a marketing budget either, and uh, it really is that resourceful marketing. And I I think that um, sometimes people uh, I will go into a business and they'll have a lot of money already invested in SEO or things like that, but they haven't yet got the basics done and they haven't yet looked at those resources marketing aspects and I I think that you've shared a a great tip there with our listeners. Yeah well it's doing things like like you mentioned Tracy Harris before like traditionally we would have been considered competitors. I mean I think we have very different markets but collaboration grows both of our businesses so exponentially and doing things like being on each other's podcasts, being on each other's business programs as experts and writing articles and doing all the things that you can get in front of your ideal market and give them, not only give them value, but also calls to action to then join the next level, like come into that, give them something, put them on a nurture sequence, not spammy nurture sequences, not like that. But ones that actually connect with people. So don't worry. I would say, like, don't worry about selling. Like, there's not much point in going, like, all this sales language and using NLP and because people are hip to that scheme now. Like, you try and sell someone, they know straight away. So connect and give them massive value to the point where people know if they want what you've got, you're the person, you're the only option for them and they're going to come straight to you. Yeah, love that. Now, listen, Tina, if people wanted to learn more about you or get their hands on your latest book, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so you can get the book anywhere. Amazon Booktopia is there, but then go to milliondollarmicrobusiness.com because I do have a free digital workbook that goes with it, which is, if I do say so myself, pretty awesome and helpful. Fantastic. Okay. We will make sure that we put that into the show notes as well so that our listeners can can get hold of that. But Tina, I'd love to thank you for sharing your business journey with us today and also your insights into marketing to mums. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you. Thanks, Tina. I really loved listening to Tina's journey. It was great to hear the challenges about the early days. You know, hearing about those struggles and Tina's advice to get through those really challenging times. And I hope by sharing Tina's story, I've been able to highlight the growing opportunity which exists predominantly for the B2B market. You know, women, particularly mothers, are entering business in their droves. And with that, there are enormous opportunities opening up for business providers. You know, I think about the opportunities for lawyers, for bookkeepers, coaches, web designers, social media managers who might want a niche on the mothers in business market. Today, I want to ask you, how well is your business catering for this growing market? And I'm going to leave you to ponder that question. Until next time, thanks for listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organisation by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favourite guest was and why. 
If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.